0: Thank you. Welcome and happy Friday. It's July 8th, 2016. I hope you all had an excellent 4th of July and are coming off an easy short week. This is Travelog, the podcast of Conde Nast Traveler. And we are pre-taping this episode, so it's uh, Friday the 8th for you. It is not Friday the 8th for us. We are in a time vacuum. I'm here with Paul Brady, who's an editor for Traveler. Laura Redmond, who's our deputy digital director. She runs our our digital editorial team. And Mara Balaktas, who's a style editor and our resident auto enthusiast. And uh, our topic of the week, a topic of the day, is rental cars. So gas prices lowest in a decade. Uh, domestic travel is up, up, up. And we just put a story up today about AAA's prediction for the coming July Fourth weekend. Still coming for us, past for you, Mr. Listener, Miss Listener. But they're predicting 36 million Americans on the road this weekend, um, which is a record, will be a record, if it, assuming that it actually happens. So given that many of those people will likely be renting cars and that renting cars is something we commonly do in domestic travel and increasingly in international travel, I thought we should go ahead and give people some science on how to do that and the things they need to think about. So it seems like one of the things that is consistently confusing um, to people, and that we have written about before, is insurance. And this is something that Eric has covered for us, our ombudsman. Can anybody give the basics of what goes on with insurance when you rent a car?
1: So the problem, I think, with insurance for rental cars is there's all these different things, right? There's the collision damage waiver, there's the loss damage waiver, there's your home, you just know, so your existing car policy that you have and then there's your credit card coverage and all this stuff is super confusing because And liability. Don't forget liability. Yeah, and so all this stuff is super confusing, I think, on purpose, to make it difficult for the consumer to know what to buy and when to buy it and what they need. And so a lot of times people will just say, you know what, I don't want to figure it out. Just give me the extra policy. It's only $10, $20, $30 a day. You know, and that can add up to real money. So the trick, of course, is that you actually have to read this stuff, which is probably the most boring reading conceivable. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> but I think you know what our ombudsman columnist who who writes about these sort of snafus that people get into you know whether they rent a car in Ireland and it gets you know the the undercarriage gets dinged and they get charged extra for that or they didn't know which policy to get I think what his advice always is to people is no matter how boring it seems read the policies all the way through and figure out what you want to do before you get to that rental car counter because that's the moment when you're tired, you just got off a flight, maybe you waited in this long line, and you're so exhausted by the whole thing that you just say, you know what, I don't want to deal with it. Give me the extra policy. You can save yourself $100, $200 by doing a little bit of legwork on the front end and figuring out what you are covered for and what you're not covered for.
0: What I thought was interesting about his explanation of all this is that it isn't just, you know, people think commonly of the credit card. Um, Their credit card gives them some coverage, and people are vaguely aware of that. But he sort of advises that you go back to your auto policy, your renter's policy if you are a renter, your homeowner's insurance policy if you're a homeowner, your health insurance, all of these things can provide different kinds of coverage from that list. And if you're aware of, of which is coming from which or if you're aware of those levels of coverage, then you're going to be armed when you get to the counter and you may not need that stuff.
2: And so often people who are renting cars don't actually own cars in the first place, right? It's a treat when they're going on vacation. They're going to drive, right? But there's some, the policies have these you know, PUPs and CDWs, and I don't even know that I can tell you what they stand for, personal umbrella policy for one of them. Collision damage (laughs) waiver. Oh, good. Wow. (laughs) But at the end of the day, again, our ombudsman reinforces, you know, read the fine print, check with your insurance agent, Without whatever insurance you may have, uh, make sure you have liability coverage. If you have that, you're in good shape. You probably don't need the extra insurance offered by the rental company. If you don't, just mm, kind of own up and put down the extra $10
0: a day. For credit cards, credit card coverage is usually liability or is it usually collision?
1: I believe it's collision, but this is the thing that you can check with your credit card company because this is also something that, that breaks down by which, you know, whether you have a Visa or a MasterCard or an Amex and all of these different cards. And, and we all know that there are so many different options for cards out there. They all have different policies, you know, even within the same family of cards. So it really is a thing where it's hard to give blanket advice. Not that we're saying, mm, we don't know what blanket advice to give. It, it really is a matter of, each individual is going to be in a different situation. And I also think, you know, not to, I don't know, undersell insurance, but there are different situations that you find yourself in, right? I mean, I just came back from a trip to Mexico and I was like, give me every bit of insurance that I can possibly get because, not because, you know, that's sort of, an unfamiliar environment, and I didn't know exactly what to expect from the roads or from traffic. And so I wanted to be extra covered. Whereas when I you know, drive around upstate New York, I feel very comfortable driving there. And you know, probably traffic statistics would show that I'm actually more likely to get in, a, in an accident in upstate New York. But at least from my perspective, I feel more comfortable there about the level of coverage that I have.
2: At the end of the day, there is one kind of easy route you could go with the supplemental liability protection on the the reservation form so if you see those words you know ask them at the rental counter or just dig a little bit into that before you get there that should probably cover you
0: one thing to be aware of is if you're renting outside of the u.s versus inside the u.s your auto insurance is not going to cover it So there are differences that you want to be aware of, and that's when the credit card is going to come in handy. You're going to want to know what the coverage from the credit card is, and you may end up having to just pay for stuff in order to ensure that you're fully covered. Another thing that we have covered before, and that is probably a source of anxiety for people, you were alluding to it a little bit, Paul, is breakdowns. So what should you do if you do have a breakdown in a rental car?
1: Well, I think the best advice is to call the rental car company themselves on the first hand. And many of them, you know, will give you a phone number to call in case you're in trouble. And, you know, it's incumbent on them to take care of any problems because, right, it's their vehicle to begin with. Easy.
3: And a lot of them don't come with, say, you get a flat tire, they don't come with a spare tire. So it's on you to contact the rental agency and they should be able to call a tow truck for you or someone to help you with roadside assistance.
0: Have you ever had that happen?
3: I have not. No, knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood.
0: (laughs) Will they come out and change a tire if you? If is it like AAA? They'll come in. They will, but
3: you're gonna have to wait. Is the thing.
0: I had that happen in Mexico. I had a flat tire in Mexico, and no one would come. I changed the tire.
3: Well, you know, everyone (laughs) everyone should be able to,
2: but (laughs) you know, there's some different cases. Well, do you guys have an international driver's license?
1: I have never gotten one, thought about getting one, wanted to get one, know where to get one. I have zero intel on that.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, no. me too. And I've driven abroad a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I kind of feel like it's a farce. Can I say that? I mean, who, I don't find that you need one anywhere from no. Cape Town to Germany to, I don't know, where have you guys I've, n- I've never been asked for an international driver
3: license.
1: Yeah, I try to get pulled over as little as possible. So, <laughs> no, but I, I've never been asked for it but either. But even
3: when you're signing waivers and forms, you know, your U.S. driver's license works just fine.
1: Yeah, when I, when I rented the car in Mexico, I didn't even have to. Oh, I did. I did. They <laughs> don't did. even ask her. I did. <laughs> I'm thinking I didn't even have to show my U.S. driver's license, but I did. I did. So I take it back.
0: <laughs> I, this is funny to me because my in laws, my parents in law, are adamant that you need an international driver's license. Why? I don't know. They're like elderly what Italians. What do they have? I don't know. Where did they hear know. that? They're certain that my license won't work, and yet I've never actually gotten an international driver's license. I don't have one. And I've driven in Italy and France and Spain and Mexico. So I don't know. I think they are probably. On the other hand, there's a difference between, or maybe there's a difference between the police and the rental car agency. Like maybe the rental car agency doesn't really care; they just want proof of ID, they want to get paid, and maybe the police care. I don't know.
2: I think the latter, because admittedly, um, we were trying to rent a car in Cape Town once, and one of us—I'm not going to say who—had uh, an expired license; just it lapsed and hadn't gotten replaced yet. And uh, you know, props to National, but they were not going to take that expired license. So, if that ever happens to you too, if you're on the road and you know something goes wrong like that. It's, just, it's really good to have backup ID. You always have backup ID, copies of everything.
0: What about issues of liability and fault and those kinds of things during accidents, particularly when you're abroad with a rental car?
2: Our ombudsman did talk about, you know, what, what if you're in an accident? What if someone hits you? And he said it really, like, it comes down to your insurance again. You just you need to have it. You're kind of in a really tough spot if you don't. I mean, he just keeps hammering that home. So... Get insurance.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and I, and I think all the basics would apply, right? Like, document everything that happened well, if that, you can.
2: Yeah, that's another question. Do you guys take photos of your car before you go? If you've rented a car, do you, like, are you worried ever that they're going to say that you dinged it up and you didn't actually?
3: Well, I think that's really important because when you go to pick up a rental car, you do a walkthrough with the person who's handing the keys to you. So I think it's really important to pay attention to all of those little details that they're showing you, are the tires okay, is the body okay, you know, all these aesthetic things, because you could bring the car back, and something has happened, and you didn't realize it before, or maybe it wasn't your fault, so I think that's really an important thing to pay attention to.
0: And do you do that? Do you do you take pictures of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right.
2: I do too, if it's going to be a long trip. hmm I mean... A weekend, no, not necessarily, unless it's you know some bumper to bumper traffic. You know, over the Fourth of July weekend. I hope you guys didn't have to endure that out there. But um, no, absolutely, it's just yeah. it's an easy way to cover yourself and point things out to them. Like, oh, what's this? What's that?
3: Because they'll mark it down and they'll take note of it.
0: I always wonder what level of like damage to worry about. Scratches? Do you worry about scratches? This is always a question when I'm w- when I'm doing the walkthrough, I never know whether to point out this or that, they seem like to have levels of concern that are kind of not transparent to me. Are there any rules around this that you know of? Or is it just-
3: Scratches and things like that, I don't think are a big deal. I mean, I think it's always best to point out everything you can and they'll tell you that's not a concern versus that is a concern, just to be safe than sorry. Yeah, because I would
1: I would agree with that. If if it's troubling to you and you don't say anything, yeah, y- definitely know, then later,
3: then it could be an issue. It could
1: be an issue for sure. So if it's bothering you, then yeah, I would say bring it up. You know, the last time I rented a car in New York City, they actually told me they said we're looking for scratches longer than a dollar bill and dents oh, bigger good. than a golf ball. Really? So they wow. had uh, this was with Enterprise. They had a standard. That they were, you know, checking for, and I pointed out a few things that were smaller than that, and, and both times, you know, the person that was showing me the car said, "Oh, that's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Dollar bill, dollar bill, dollar bill." So, um, <laughs>
2: well, there there is kind of a checklist that you could go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I am religious about it, but you know, if you're, you turn on the car, you make sure the lights work, the blinkers work, you make sure the AC goes on if you're somewhere hot. Um, some people suggest that you check the treads on the car. Um, you drive, you know, a hundred yards and if it feels like the car doesn't handle very well. You just go right back and get a new car. You don't wait. Um, are th- is there anything else you guys do? When you-
1: That's more than I do. I've yeah. never, I, I don't think I've ever done any of those things. I'm usually in
0: such a like rush and completely like.
1: Uh, those sound, it sounds like a really good idea. It does.
0: Though. It does. I wish that I had done all of those things.
2: If the radio doesn't work, what are you going to do?
1: Well, yeah, you check, you check the radio, check for the radio. sure, yeah. <laughs> it's just not all the operational parts of it. Explain this thing radio, yeah. what is that?
2: Make sure there's an iPod plug-in, I don't know. <laughs> um, do you guys have go-to rental car companies? Are you religious about it?
1: I, I've fallen into the habit of using Enterprise uh, because they have a location that I like that's convenient to where I live, but uh, I'm pretty price sensitive when it comes to rental cars.
2: So do you just kind of do a global check on kayak or something and look to see what's out there?
1: Yeah, if I'm if I'm super price sensitive for a trip, I find that Hotwire has really really good um, rates that they don't tell you who you're booking from, and instead you know you sort of just get that great price and you know you end up with whoever it is. You know I think that it's become a pretty baseline commodity the rental car experience. You know it's not great, and most places have the same fleet of cars or very similar cars. And they really are competing on price. Although I will say I'm glad to be an enterprise because you can sign up for their you know, loyalty program for free. And then you get the preferential treatment line, which is far better than any of the loyalty programs that the airlines give you, You know, where you have to actually travel a certain amount to get the perks.
2: Well, isn't there, I, I think you wrote about it, Paul, the, the luxury Audi car rental company?
1: Oh, yeah. So there's this new, uh, a relatively new company. It's called Silver Car. And I have tried them a couple times. And I really do like them. Uh, It's in, I think, around a dozen airports now, and their whole shtick is that they give only Audi A4 cars, and they're totally tricked out with leather interiors and satellite radio, and they're super nice, and the service is really top-notch, and they sort of, unlike the other companies, they don't even make you do the walkthrough because they do it themselves before you arrive for your reservation. Imagine that. Um, Glorious. Yeah, and so they do a really great job, and- the only thing is it's more expensive. and so for some travelers, they're more than willing to spend the extra money to have a premium experience and a premium car. Other people are I think very price sensitive and they want the cheapest rental possible. and, and that's cool too. you know I mean every trip is different. But in my experience using Silver Car, which been a couple times, it's been really, really great, but also um, significantly more expensive than some of the alternatives in the marketplace on those dates.
2: So you kind of wait for the right occasion. Like if you're driving the autobahn in Germany, you might want that luxury ride.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely go for. It. I mean, it's very cool to drive a silver Audi into wherever you're going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mara, you have some like good taste when it comes to cars. Where do yeah, you?
3: Yeah. Um, so I actually over Memorial Day weekend, I rented a car from Hertz, and Hertz is really cool because, like Paul was talking about, you can rent Audis from Silver Car, and you know they're kind of more the premium vehicles to rent. Hertz has a few different programs. They have the Prestige collection, the Adrenaline collection, and the Dream Cars collection. And out of all of those collections, you can rent anything from a Mustang, a Corvette, a Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, sedans, like pretty much more of those premium cars. They're obviously a little more expensive, but I think if you're going for a rental car and you're Going some type of distance, you might as well enjoy the drive. So, why not do it in a really fun car?
0: What's the price difference between them? Is it like ridiculous or is it manageable?
3: It's not crazy. I mean, some of them are upwards of 150, 250, but it really depends on what kind of car you're renting. I know the Mustang that was actually the 50th anniversary Mustang of the rent eraser program that they did back in 1965. It's about $250 a day to rent, but those Mustangs are super limited edition. They only made 140 for this 50th anniversary, and I got to drive like number eight that's out so of cool. 140 So it was really cool, and it's a super cool experience.
0: Where did you take it?
3: I drove it back towards my parents in North Jersey and took it up some winding back roads, and we have this great scenic overlook by Port Jervis area. It's called the Hawk's Nest, and that's kind of the spot where you have to go to to take pictures of your car. So (laughs) obviously,
2: that's where I went. (laughs) We also did a pretty, I mean, jealousy-inducing ride. uh, What was it, with a Porsche in Northern California?
3: Yeah, the new Porsche 911 Carreras. They're newly turbocharged this year. So it was definitely a great experience. And yeah, we took those all through out Northern California, and it was about a 230-mile road trip. Obviously those are very special trips that you wanna take in a car that you're gonna have a lot of fun in and I think definitely through programs like Hertz, people have access to those really fun cars.
0: What is the subjective difference in driving a car like that? How does and how does it compare to like the Mustang?
2: You feel more like a badass. I mean,
0: yeah, but what does that mean? <laughs>
3: Like a Mustang versus a Porsche?
0: Yeah, like you you took the Porsche on... Vers- the, a Chevy Porsche. What I assume... For- <laughs> some, yeah. No, but I mean, like, for that extra... Like, yeah, sure, you get a prestige factor. But the experience of driving the car, too, is very different, right? Yes.
3: I mean, typically in these rental cars, that You know, they're like the base model, two-door hatch. I mean, you're pushing less...
0: Are we allowed to use like words like Elantra?
3: Sure. I mean, you know, those cars are, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say they're 150 horsepower. And then the Mustang I rented through Hertz was over 400 horsepower. Yes. So, and So
0: what does that feel like? If you're going to lay down the money, what are you going to get for it? Other than just like trying to make people envious.
3: It's really fun to drive and if you've never driven a Mustang or, you know, any of these type of luxury cars, I think it's the experience. And it's something that maybe you're not purch- you're not in the market to purchase one of these cars. But it's something that you can say that you've driven and you've experienced. And
2: Is it the kind of thing where you can do, you know, you're at the stoplight, you hit the gas, and you're, like, already out of the town, you know? Yeah, the <laughs> 0 to
3: 60 time is great. And, I mean, people... It was so funny when I rented the Mustang during Memorial Day because people were literally hanging out of their windows, waving and giving me the thumbs up because people <laughs> just love it. And
0: you just you just took a you took a th- what what did you guys rent? A three series, a five series?
2: Yeah, it was a Mercedes. Um, this was actually on the autobahn. You have to have a car that can handle like 150 miles per hour on the autobahn, right? Yes. 120 to 150. Yes. So it was a Mercedes C class. So you're
1: saying you had to rent it. Had to. Didn't have a choice.
2: <laughs> Safety's sake. Like, I don't know. I grew up driving, I, well, everyone who knew me for 20 years knew I drove this Kia Sportage two-door that was basically a wind-up car <laughs> that couldn't go more than 80 on the New Jersey turnpike. And if I did, I could feel it shake. Like, that car would have just self-destructed on the Autobahn. Like would have Someone would have flown by me, yes. and the roof would have come off, and a wheel would have fallen off, it's and dangerous. I'd, I'd, like, tumble into the grass. But they really only kind of rent you the Beamers and the Mercedes and the Audis when you're going on like high, high speed.
0: So did you guys go high, high speed? Oh yeah. Did you drive it?
2: I did. um, Not as fast as my husband, but I got, let's see, it was in kilometers. Um, He was pushing 170 kilometers per hour and I, I only pushed like 140, 150 before I got scared.
0: And how did it feel? Powerful. Yeah,
2: and then it's then it's a little too much. You it goes so smoothly, right? I mean, you you keep an eye, you stay in the right lane. Even the right lane is going pretty fast. If you want to go in the left lane, it's like good luck, you know, Godspeed, <laughs> um, because cars will just come up on you out of nowhere. The they may be a um, two three miles back, and then all of a sudden blink of an eye, they're in your rear view and, and you flashing have to, and flashing and flashing, and you have to get over to the right. Yeah, um, so. I mean, the cars handle it so well that you don't feel like you're going that fast. You know, you easily break 100 miles an hour and you're just like, da-da-da, might as well be oh, a Oh, co- that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> you don't feel like you're hour. going fast. No, but this is what I was looking for.
0: Like, <laughs> like this is the reason to rent one of these cars. If you're not a driver or if you're in a place like Germany or Italy or France, is a little bit mellower, but it's the same way in Italy, too. Like, you, A, you really do, everybody is going so fast, you have to trust that everybody's car actually works and in the US it's much less it's much more chaotic in the US this is a weird thing like these are fairly chaotic countries not germany but italy and france are fairly chaotic countries but the highway behavior is very regularized, right? Like, right. you you only go in the left lane to pass. You don't go out in the left lane if you're not passing. Right. And there's you, no joy riding there's the no. Left, there's, left no left there's no. Lane. There's no screwing around. There's no camping out in the left lane. People Mm-mm. will burn you for that. And they do come up behind you at, like, radical speed, flashing their lights, expecting you to get over immediately. And if you don't, they are six inches away from you. Right. And you're doing, like, 150 kilometers right. an hour.
2: And you can't make any sudden movements because who wants to do that at 120, 150 miles? An hour i know? just
0: love the faith that like everybody's brakes are gonna work it's yeah. gonna be fine no problem it's all gonna yes, be okay definitely
2: i don't advise
3: to drive at those speeds if you are not comfortable doing so. but it's so <laughs> easy to do this is what i was <laughs> well, getting there, at
2: there are whole stretches of highway that have no speed limits yeah that's the other incredible thing you know what do you feel like doing today hmm <laughs> how dangerous do you feel today
0: how well mannered the cars are is what surprises you. And it is easy to go really fast. And you do feel in complete control because the car can just sort of handle it. It's just very well behaved. And is that worth paying an extra hundred bucks a day for? Uh, You know, it is if you don't experience that on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. It depends on the trip, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. is that an experience you want on this trip? If so, hey, why not?
0: Yeah.
2: I kind of like the idea of renting the car that's iconic to the place. So you you go with you know, yeah, a that's ger- a great idea. A yeah. German-made car in Germany. In Italy, we rented a Fiat. Um, that was the first time I had driven a car that shut down when you stopped at a light. You know, and that was years ago. But I was so and foreign. not intentionally. Not
0: intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but it's really fun puttering around with a Fiat manual, like Why through the hills of Tuscany. It wasn't you know. that
3: like gas-saving feature that every car
2: has now. <laughs> now it was. It was absolutely that, and that like scared me initially. <laughs> I mean, it was a
0: while ago. <laughs> Back to More mundane, boring things. Why? (laughs) Well, we can talk about fast cars all day long. Um, But I'm wondering things like, you know, just to be helpful to people prepaying for gas. Is this something you should ever do?
1: Never. Never Never. do it. No. Never do it. Why? Uh, It's always a ripoff. And uh, I think the only the only way that it ever works out is if you know that you're going to be super late getting to the airport, <laughs> like you're one of those people that's chronically behind, uh, and it can possibly be cheaper than the penalty you'll pay to fill up. You know, I mentioned earlier Silvercar, which is this you know small rental car company, they have a flat $5 refueling fee and then charge you whatever the local gas price is, which I think is the biggest sort of... Revolution in rental cars that they're offering uh, among the many revolutionary things that they're doing. It's like, do you want to pay somebody five dollars to take care of this troublesome problem for you? Almost always, the answer is yes. Like five bucks, yes, I will pay five dollars to get rid of almost any problem. Right, and they do it, and they charge fair prices. And I think that's like one of the big things that people hate about rental car companies is there's always this sort of like mm-hmm. nagging sense of them trying to rip you off or nickel and dime you. And one of the things that Silvercar gets rid of is that like. Do I pay for the gas? Do I bring it back empty? What am I supposed to do? And it's like, it's not that hard to refuel a car. Why don't I just give your company $5 and you do it for me? I love that. Yeah, it seems entirely reasonable. That's what's so shocking about it, (laughs) is that it's so reasonable, right? But no, you're not supposed to buy the, uh, you know, supposedly cheap fuel uh, that they will sell you in the car unless, you know, the other downside to it is, do you really want to be coming back on a totally bone dry tank and pray that you'll be able to roll into the lot? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But does it
0: compare, like, the convenience factor of it is just not even worth doing the math.
2: There's always a gas station within, like, five miles of the airport. I feel like you could wait until the bitter end, too, and still be okay.
1: Yeah. To me, it's like, you know, you're spending, what, 300 bucks on renting the car and you're spending much more than that on the vacation to save, you know, what, $2.27 on the gas. You know, it's just if you're worried about getting ripped off by the rental car company, fill it up yourself. If you're worried about, you know, saving every last penny. Yeah, you could probably do this math ahead of time and figure it out. But to me, it's not worth it. Do you guys always rent at the airport or do you have any policy about that?
0: You just mentioned there's always one within the airport, but I don't don't feel like I ever rent a car anywhere near the airport.
2: Oh, that's a good point. No, I I do, but that might not be a New York thing necessarily. I understand that, you know, whatever your closest rental spot is, that's where you go probably, yeah?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like renting at the airport just because I find that they're the most professional people and they have the biggest selection of vehicles. Typically, they have better cars than the off-airport, rental locations in my experience
2: yeah that is true i feel the same way
1: are there any companies you won't rent from
2: Ooh. no but on the reverse i only rent from national only Mm-hmm. we like paul was saying if you stick with a loyalty program you you skip all the lines you know you it's really nice showing up at the airport not having to wait for anything you go right to the parking garage and you pick your car and you go
0: is that the result of like research and examination that you did? That you decided National just had the best balance of whatever.
2: In part, uh, we had we used to go with Enterprise, and Enterprise is great too. And there was a time I don't know in my twenties when I rented a car for a month, and they at the end of the day they cut my price in half. They like literally just slashed it in half because Enterprise has the capacity to do that. They can kind of set fees based on your loyalty and you know how much. Yeah, like how well you use the car, the kind of mileage you put in, and I mean that's incredible. Like that, it's a bit more personal than you might think when you're just like online searching for the best deal. There are actually like humans behind this who can make your rental car experience really, really nice.
1: Yeah, there's one other company, and I and I have not rented with them yet. I haven't had the chance really. Um, called Sixth, Sixt, S I X T, which is big in Europe, and they're starting to make inroads here in the U.S. in in sort of major vacation markets like Orlando and and Las Vegas. And that's one of those options out there that you might not think to check, but um, they do a great job and they're sort of this global brand that just happens to be new in the U.S. And so that's one that I, you know, sort of tend to tell people, hey, give them a look too if they're not showing up on the, you know, the search site that you're using. It might be worth a double check to see if they have a better price because, you know, they're not brand new in the market, but they're still in that situation where, you know, they're needing to buy market share through great prices.
2: I also like for sh- really short term rentals. Have you guys ever done Go? I haven't tried mm-hmm. it, but I'm
1: totally enticed I by it. I see them everywhere. Yeah,
2: I used to love it in Seattle. It started in Austin. I think it's international now too, but it's the little smart cars that you might see in a number of cities. And you, I used it to commute in Seattle. You have a membership, you have a card, you just you use your app on your phone and you look for a car that's within blocks. And I always found one within like two blocks of my apartment. And you go down and you basically just badge into the car and you hit a couple buttons and you go. And it pays you by... I forget, but it was either the time spent driving or the mileage covered. And I think it would cost me, you know, if I drove for, you know, ten minutes, it cost me like a buck twenty-five. It was, wow. it's a really great deal. And you can park anywhere; there's street parking. You can literally just leave your car in a legal spot, don't have to pay parking at all, and just go. Just and they're those and
1: smart go. cars, so they're yeah. really easy to park.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: I think that's like a great option too for people that are taking long weekend trips. You know, if you're going to, you know, D.C. for the weekend, say. I mean, D.C. has well, a sort of uh, metro that people aren't very satisfied with and a uh, right. bike sharing program. But, you know, say it's raining outside and you don't want to ride a bike in the rain. You can use car go to get around exactly. to places, you know. Yes, you can also use Uber. Yes, you can also use taxis. Yes, you can also use Lyft. But there's another like sort of thing in your toolbox, which I think is so great and a huge asset that maybe people don't connect that that's something you can use while you're traveling as well as just living in a place.
2: Right. If you have a membership, you know, it works in Seattle and Brooklyn and Austin and DC. I see them all over DC. Yeah. I think it's a really, it's a smart business model.
0: What's the name of that car service where you can get a membership and then you can get them? Is It was here in New York. Zipcar. Zipcar. So I feel like Hertz and Enterprise both spun up competitors to Zipcar in the last few years. Have you guys ever yeah.
1: used those? I tried the Hertz to go once and it was perfectly fine. It's exactly the same kind of idea as car to go or zip car or any of the competitors. You use a personalized key fob to open the car and they charge you, you know, actually I can't remember whether it was by time or by mileage, probably they have both. And it's very convenient, you know, it's very convenient if you happen to be in a place where they have cars and if the place you're going happens to have parking, you know, and I think that's always the calculus that you have to make is like. What's the easiest way to get there, and and how do I want to get there, and how many people am I taking, and how much stuff am I taking? That do I need a car, or can I just use public transportation? At least that's my calculus. Do you
0: find yourself renting less often with things like Uber and Lyft?
1: I don't think that I do. Definitely, the the data that you know we get into the office from whether it's expense account processors or uh, you know Uber and Lyft themselves, obviously, tell us that they're doing great, um, but. <laughs> You know, I think there's definitely like a trend towards renting less and relying on car and ride-hailing apps more. I, I think that's definitely going on, especially for business travelers who are in places for a short amount of time. I know that ride-hailing is really popular among business travelers who go international, because if you're in a place for 12 hours, how much foreign currency do you take out to pay a cab? Right. Who knows? That's a good point. But suddenly now you can pay, you know, totally, you know, electronically, and everything's taken care of. You know, personally, I don't see that I'm renting that much less when I'm relying on those ride-hailing services because there were always cabs in those towns, too, and maybe it took a little bit longer. But, you know, I went to Miami not too long ago for a few days, and I would never rent a car in Miami because I'm trying to enjoy the Miami nightlife, and it's just not worth the headache or the cost to park the car. So why not just rely on cabs or Uber, Lyft, whatever?
0: Mara, are there any places people can go to get really specialized cars that you've come across, like Lamborghinis, uh, Maseratis, you know, really Rolzes, like the really sort of over-the-top sort of experiences.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right here in New York, there's a really great club. It's called the Classic Car Club of Manhattan, and they are a really great organization that You sign up for a membership. It's about $180 a month. And then there's different levels of packages that you can buy with them. And they have 40 or so of these special cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Bentleys, Land Rovers, vintage cars, vintage Porsches, uh, vintage GT40. All of these cars are pretty much at your disposal for this membership amount that you buy. And you can take them out on the weekends you know, yeah, do they, on your road do trips. They, what
0: are the restrictions that they put around the use of those cars? I mean, I'm sure they're insured, but nonetheless, you would want to be a little bit careful, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, but with their membership, they cover all of the insurance, and, you know, there's different stipulations for every car, obviously, and um, but it's really included in your membership price that that is all taken care of.
0: Great. Any other final parting thoughts for the people on renting cars?
2: Well, it's definitely the summer to road trip. I mean, now's the, a better time than most. And uh, we are seeing, like you said, like 36 million people were on the road last week, predicted. Um, I encourage you to road trip abroad. It's one of my favorite ways to see a place. Um, and I'm trying to work my way through all the great coastal drives around the world. So I think Norway is coming up soon, hopefully. And we just did Germany. We've done Cape Town and all up and down the west coast of the US. Uh, the great ocean road in australia there's so many amazing drives and they're all different they they all make highway one in california like they compete
1: yeah yeah i would agree my favorite secret is the one-way rental out of orlando so every uh every spring many of the major car rental companies have a glut of inventory in orlando from people who were coming down from the north and bringing one-way rentals down and so uh you can go in the spring on a one-way trip out of florida for super cheap i did a few years ago uh, and i think that i paid over the course of five days like 120 dollars total for the rental. I probably spent that much in fuel, honestly, uh, (laughs) because I took a thousand mile road trip out of Florida one way and it was phenomenal. And, you know, for that kind of value, it's sort of like the trip itself is is free or almost free. (laughs) And to me, that's like a must do trip because it's just so unbelievably affordable to do. It only takes a few days and you get this great value. I would really encourage everybody to look into it and you can find these rates Um, just by searching online in the spring. Mara?
3: Just get out and go. Gas prices are at their lowest, so they're not going to stay that way. So what a better time to take a road trip this summer.
0: Cool. Okay, let's wrap it up. Um, Thanks to you guys for coming and talking. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit us on cntraveler.com. We're Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Please tweet at us. Send us feedback. Review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you will get many likes and uh, we will reply and we do take the feedback seriously. Um, why don't we go around, tell the people where to find
1: you. Laura.
2: On Instagram, I'm Laura underscore Redmond. And on Twitter, I'm at danin 825
1: You can find me on Twitter at P underscore Brady, B-R-A-D-Y.
3: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Marafili, M-A-R-A-F-I-L-I.
0: And I'm at Bradrick. That's it. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks.